Hey there, horror movie fans! Welcome back to Here's a Nini Horror Movie Podcast. As you know, I'm still recording at home on my cheap equipment, dreaming about being back in the studio. So while we are all diamonds in the rough, let's talk about some hidden gems to sparkle your day with 2008 Splinter and 2010's The Final. Now, Splinter follows a couple, Seth and Polly, who after deciding the great outdoors wasn't the moves, heads to a motel where they are carjacked by two convicts, who are also a couple, Lacey and Dennis. The couple are then kidnapped and end up at a nearby gas station, where the four of them become surrounded by this deadly, parasitic, splinter-looking bad guys. And the only way to survive is to beat them at their own game. Now, before I begin, this movie had little to no advertisement, yet had some pretty big names such as Jill Wagner and Shay Wickham. I only knew about this film because I am an old sci-fi channel viewer. Splinter follows a very distinct detail when addressing grotesque body art and visuals, including its main threat, the splintered parasite. For those reasons, the film falls under the subgenre of body horror, similar to The Fly and The Thing. And no, those two movies are not the same director. Now, whoever the sound guy or girl for this film, bellissimo. You would not believe how much sound can impact and enhance a film, causing these auditory triggers, especially the horror genre, which mostly relies on that and visuals, let's be honest. The Splinter brings about a realism approach of unknown and deadly infection in all its shapes and sizes which in 2020 is not unbelievable and makes it 10 times more terrifying. Although also under the contagious subgenre, Splinter hits close to home with the zombie-esque approach of once in contact by touch, you become infected and turn into said disease. Continue walking around at first giving those around you the impression of life, but a life that isn't theirs unconventional rather, a new form of life that grows and adapts and at the end of the day, the living must learn to outsmart the walking dead. And of course we can't forget that audience just loves gas station attendants with I love bikini hats, which is why they are usually killed at first. Sorry bud. Speaking of characters, this film unlike many, which I didn't think was so hard to create, memorable and or likable characters. In this case, couples. Polly and Seth give us a glimpse at a pretty relatable couple to even giving us a little women empowerment with the strong and leadership personality of Polly. But what puts the cherry on the top of this film was Dennis, who we have to be honest, we wanted or didn't care if he and Lacey died. The crazy thing is, as the film progresses, so does the tolerance or even love for Dennis develops. I'm digging these cynical versions of the hero's journey. At first, Dennis only cared for the kidnapped couple for his own personal gain, or so we believe. We find out that he is actually heading up north to get his girlfriend Lacey to a treatment center, and he is already extremely wanted, so it's one of those pick and choose your moral standards for pending decisions only to end in the most man of honor moment when Dennis sacrifices himself to kill the parasite in full with a gas station explosion. Although we do have to acknowledge that Dennis had gotten a splinter early on and was slowly becoming infected as the film progresses, but does save the couple throughout the entrapment, so he still deserves the title of sacrificial death. 
Now, quickly going back to our zombie talk, Dawn of the Dead had this idea done prior. I'm speaking specifically of the 2004 remake. Jake Weber's character, Michael, wasn't someone I was fond of at first, due to his unsympathetic regard, then grew his character throughout to the point that the audience found a connection with him, until the last five minutes, where we find out he was bit, while protecting others, and was slowly getting infected, making sure the remaining were safely on the boat before giving the news, and you know it, dying a sacrificial death. But we also have to acknowledge the security guard who nobody liked in the beginning and at the very end he actually sacrificed himself to also help the remaining, but that's for another time. Now let's switch from infections creating monsters to people creating monsters. The final. Not destination, just the final. Once again, thanking the old sci-fi channel for sharing this film with me as a kid. Although as a kid I never liked this film. That opening number with its visuals and color contrast. But as an adult, this film is subtly genius and extremely eerie. So let's begin. The Final. The Final follows a small group of outcasts that plot a trap to torment their bullies at a costume party, each getting what they deserve. In contrast, this film, for the most part, has a fresh-faced cast. This film is so fascinating to me in its attempt to cinematically express how people, regardless of age, can create monsters out of other humans by degrading self-worth and showing false superiority over those more vulnerable. A lot of critics argue that the film is seen to be quite goreless, and it could have been budgetary nonetheless, but it could have also been to prove its point without having to give in to the over-arrayed torture porn subgenre. It all boils down to your perspective. Although early on the masked Revenge of the Nerds horror edition did mention that they had no desire to kill anyone, just mercilessly scar them for life. You don't even want to know how many attempts it took me to say that word. Which is ironic since all the deaths that actually happened in the film was, well them, either getting killed or the planned suicide pact at the end with the remaining. This film also touches on a bit of realism since we do receive foreshadowing leading up to the certain torment of the popular teenagers and how they had a bit to do with their own consequences, one just being oblivious to the knowledge around them. Although a bit more tame for most horror fans, this film did provide its small share of uncomfortable and teeth-clenching moments leading to the end that the audience already captured in the very beginning, now understanding its context. Look, these aren't films of the year, but are quite unique and tasteful in their own appropriate places within horror and deserve some recognition regardless of their mostly unknown presence. Or we just keep these small gems preserved for the true horror fans. We will see. But until next time, ciao now!